Hey, it's Neville Medora here, and today is Friday, September 10th, 2021, with the stupid email, which stands for swipe, thought, uplifting, picture, interesting, and drawing. So let's start with a swipe. Now, a common tactic for promoting a product is showing new and varied uses for the product. So this is a Tang commercial. Remember Tang, that like orange powder that was supposed to be like a like an like orange juice for astronauts kind of thing back in the day? So this is showing new and varied uses for Tang. Now, by today's standards, it's probably not great to drink 30 grams of sugar in the morning, but the concept behind this Tang ad is pretty solid. It says, wake up to Tang, and it shows a picture of Tang, which looks pretty tasty, actually, next to a teapot, indicating that it's the morning time. And it says, new instant breakfast drink with more vitamin C than orange juice. So I think we know now that it's probably not good to drink a bunch of sugar in the morning versus water. But this was a great ad back in the day by showing a different use for Tang. People used to just use it kind of almost like a sports drink or something, and now they're trying to promote it as a breakfast drink. So I like the idea of showing new and varied uses for the product. In fact, here's another weird one, and this one is actually kind of weird. Um, there's this bowl of Campbell's beef broth bouillon, right? The kind of stuff that you use in like pho or something like that. And so they are showing this being poured directly into like a scotch glass with ice. And it says soup on the rocks. And it basically tells you to just pour this directly into a glass and drink it. <laughs> so you can also cook with it. But in addition, Campbell's is saying you can also just drink it as a refreshing drink. Now, I don't know how refreshing just a bunch of beef broth would be, but hey, whatever floats your boat. So the lesson from this is show multiple uses for your product. Um, this is the first way that I used to sell stuff on House of Rave, my original e-commerce company. A lot of people, there was these things called rave balls and they were the light up golf balls, but I call them rave balls because you can bring them to a rave and like swing them around and they made all these cool lights. And then um, kids would use them to search for monsters under their bed. I'm not even kidding. That was like a, a thing people did. And people use them for Halloween decorations and all sorts of stuff. And in the emails, whenever I would promote them, I wouldn't promote them as just light up golf balls. I show all the varied uses that you can use them for Halloween. And this guy is them for a costume and all the different creative uses. And people bought more of them because they're like, well, if I don't use them for Halloween, at least I could use them for my kids or then I can swing my golf club at it, whatever. But show multiple uses for a product and it gives people more reasons to buy your product. Here is a thought. Podcasts really do help sell books. Um, every publisher knows this. So that's why every major publisher, they send all their new authors on podcast tours now. It used to be like uh, book signings. Obviously with COVID and stuff, that's a little bit harder now. But they send them on podcast tours. So whenever some really, really cool guest comes on a podcast, you're like, I bet they're selling a book. Think about it. Every time you go hear a cool guest on a podcast, you're probably trying to promote something. Kind of like they used to do back in the days of or like a, The Tonight Show with Jay Leno or Jimmy Fallon. Usually when a celebrity goes on there, it's because they're also trying to promote something at the same time. So I bought this book immediately after listening to the James Dyson interview on the Tim Ferriss podcast, or sorry, Sir James Dyson, um, the inventor of the Dyson vacuum. He runs a very large billions of dollars a year company, owns most of it, and is a great engineer. And he, he's kind of like a like an Elon Musky, Steve Jobs kind of character, but British and with things that do with air, basically. Um, so I also own a $700 Dyson handheld vacuum, and it's honestly like one of the best things I've ever bought. So um, I'm reading this book right now about 50 pages in. It's pretty awesome. And uh, I don't know, podcasts sell books. It works. Here's something uplifting. 
George Costanza from the Seinfeld series is a pudgy, unemployed, and lives with his parents kind of character. And in one of the most profound episodes, he comes to the conclusion that every instinct he has is wrong, so the opposite must be right. So there's a big picture that says, do the opposite, and it shows George Costanza, the consummate loser in the series. And doing the opposite actually ends up radically changing his life for the better. So instead of being afraid of a woman in this restaurant, he walks right up to her and talks to her. And instead of making up a career like he normally does and lying, he openly admits that he's unemployed and lives with his parents and the woman is intrigued. And so in your life, uh, here are some examples of how to do the opposite. Um, If you usually take the path of least resistance, for once, try taking the path of most resistance and see how that goes. So if someone invites you on a hard workout and you're like, nah, I don't like working out, just go and see how it turns out. Or if you're normally afraid of approaching a hottie or someone you're attracted to, uh, just go right up to them and chat. Just see what happens. Just forget that. Just do the opposite of what you do normally. Um, or if you normally think too much, then shut your brain up and stop thinking and just do instead of think. And if you're normally shy about sharing writings online, just hit publish and see what happens. If you normally say no to parties, say yes, see what happens. So doing the opposite might just jar you out of your typical habits and change your life potentially. I mean, here's a picture of my video setup is coming along nicely now. It's starting to look like this, and you can see some of the pictures. And uh, now most of the day, I work from the iMac that you see on the desk over there. That's typically if I'm writing something or taking calls, I'm right in front of that iMac. And then I record YouTube videos from that little desk behind it, and we do interviews from that desk behind it also. And I, I pull up an extra chair. And like I said, I've been waiting for furniture for months and months and months, so that all that stuff will come at some point. But you can see how the new interviews are turning out by watching this interview. So I did um, an interview with one of the OGs of uh, uh, podcasting. Before podcasting was a thing, Andrew Warner was putting out video podcasts and audio podcasts. And um, I talked to him about my own podcast and my own journey with it. And he was talking about how to make a better podcast, how to monetize them. He had a lot of good insights since he's been doing it for so long. So I really enjoyed that conversation. Really fun conversation. Also, you can see how my video setup turns out. Here is something interesting. While I do a lot of videos indoors from my little studio, it's fun to go outside into the real world for videos. And I did this video on outdoor signage and I got outside and recorded it. But here's the small interesting thing about this video. Um, YouTube gives you some ad revenue for your videos. So I make a couple hundred bucks or a thousand bucks here and there, like every month. And, um, this video had a CPM, a playback CPM of $122. Now this is strange because some of my other videos have a CPM of like 12 cents or like $20 or $40 on the absolute highest end. And this one is 122. Now I'm not sure why a video about fixing outdoor signage commands so much ad revenue, but I'll take it. So if you have any insight into this, I'd love to know because YouTube doesn't exactly tell you which ads it's showing necessarily, but it's basically the skippable ads that's 95% of that revenue of 122 playback CPM. That is wild. So if you see any weird ads on that video, uh, whenever you watch it, let me know uh, what what the ads are. I'm super curious. Um, here's, uh, the last thing, a drawing and it says worst, medium and best. So people often think themselves out of greatness by imagining the worst case scenario, especially very smart people. I've seen this happen so many times with smart people. They will always think of all the bad things that are going to happen instead of just some dumb person just doing it and seeing what happens.
So almost always the, the medium case scenario happens, it seems. Rarely does the worst case scenario ever happen. And if you actually write out three scenarios of what will happen, so for example, if you're starting a small business, people think worst case is like, they're gonna end up homeless on the street and everyone will hate them. But in reality, the worst case scenario would be like, I lose $10,000 in about a year of time. So th that's not like terribly bad, especially if you're a younger person, you lose 10,000 bucks in a year of time, maybe not even that much time or maybe not even that much money. If that's the worst case, that's not that bad. Like it's not a big deal. And you, the medium case would be, I make a decent living and have some fun in the process. And the best case would become, it w is that this becomes a huge thing and impacts the world and makes me wealthy. So if you notice the worst case isn't even that bad on something, on a decision, don't talk yourself out of something with lots of upside when in reality, the downside probably isn't that bad. And I bet if you write like what the downside is, it's probably not that bad. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed these little tidbits and have a happy Friday. My name is Neville Medora and I will talk to you later.